Vegas. The Running Rebels are in Colorado to play Air Force Thursday at 5.30 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN Las Vegas. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grades, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. There's no way we're getting through all these. What do you mean? Unless we go speed grades. Should we go speed grades we for can... the first time in the history of grades? Yeah, no. Let's go let's, speed we grades. We can let it breathe. We can let it I breathe. I don't like to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are doing season-long grades. Oh, uh, there's no way we're getting through. Whole season. Not just anything that's happened this week, but the entire season. We'll start with the coaches. Rich Masaccio. Hey. Hey. Took over a horrible, a horrible uh, position with the drama and all the turmoil. Got him to 10 wins, took him to the playoffs. Only an A? There's oh. a plus? Plus. I'm sorry, we do have a plus. A plus. I know. I've given this guy anything Pass. but an A plus. Right. A Phenomenal. Plus. Gus Bradley. B minus. B minus. Thought he did a really good job, took over defense. Last year was horrible, improved it, and uh, I thought he was really good. Defense was better. I still think we are skewed in how we're looking at it because the defense wasn't good. Okay. Right. It wasn't like a top 15 defense or anything. So it wasn't a good defense. It was better. But it was better than what it was the last two decades, yes. basically. So I, yeah, B minus. That's a, that's a good grade. B because you're, minus. You know, you're grading on the curve of what the defense was before. Uh, Greg Olson. D. D. Never really, the red zone continues to be an issue. Um, I don't know how much better they got across the year. They were kind of the same team over and over and over. So D. D. Why not an F? F. Hey, he's a nice guy. <laughs> Check. Are you the teacher that's it, like, eh, yes, you're yeah, nice. I'm yeah, giving you yeah, a little higher grade. Oh, if I was a teacher, I'd be nice. <laughs> Incomplete. I can't tell if you'd be Incomplete. a great teacher to have or a terrible teacher to have. Oh, I'd be a great teacher to have. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I'd be very nice. I would be. <laughs> I'd try to help people. I'm a helper. I don't like people, but if I do know them, I will try to help them. I'd be a terrible teacher. The well, worst. You'd, uh, you'd be the worst. I don't like kids. You, you don't like children. You don't like kids. Uh, you'd have all kinds of problems. You'd be correcting them all the time. Oh, yeah, you morons. What would you teach? That's a good question. Maybe math. Okay. I could teach them math. Okay. You're good at math. Yeah. In school, I was good at math. You tell me how to do a problem, I'll do it. Okay. And just keep doing right. it over and over and then yell at the people who can't do it over and over. Two plus five I struggle with. <laughs> I could teach English, but two plus five. Are you are you the person that pulls out your phone calculator to do like what is three times four? Well, not three times four, but I do pull the phone calculator out for anything that involves three digits. (laughs) All right, offensive players: Derek Carr, B, B had a really good statistical year. Once a good bad in the red zone, and uh, but I thought he played well enough to where he warrants a B. I give him a C. He's kind of the same guy as he's been for the last few years. I don't think he really improved that much. I think the one caveat to that is a, he lost his play caller after four games and B B he uh, lost Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs in season. So it was very much. How do you make Hunter Renfro? Awesome. So next player to grade 
Darren Waller. C minus. I didn't think he was C as good as minus. recent years, and you can't really. I'm not going to fault him for getting hurt, but he did miss a lot of time, so he can't really up the grade much when he comes back. He was absolutely not nearly as good when no. healthy as he was the seasons before, and I am curious, right? How should we view Darren Waller going into the offseason? Are we viewing this guy as the same, hey, he's an awesome tight end who kind of doubles as a number one wide receiver? Or is he just a good tight end? Like, I'm curious, like, how we should be approaching that because I think Waller's good, but I'm not convinced like I was last offseason that this guy is absolutely a rock star tight end. Because, again, one of the big flaws in Darren Waller's game that's never been, like, fixed or whatever, he's not a great blocker. Like Darren Waller doesn't do what Kittle and Kelsey and Gronkowski have done, where they are also great blockers. That's not Darren Waller. So I'm curious, like how, what he is next year. Is he back to being that, you know, hundred catch thousand yard guy, or is he something less than that from now on? Isn't it Foster Moreau's job to block people? Trey Hendrickson is, is, it is his job. He didn't do very well with that either. Next person to grade Hunter Renfro. Hey, had a great season statistically and is a very good interview. Where's the plus? Plus. Give him the plus. I'll give him plus. the plus. I'll give him the plus for being a great interview. He gets an A minus. A. Oh, you give him a minus. minus. Obviously, terrific season as a receiver. He fumbled like three punts this year. Yeah, he did. And I do actually, maybe I should give an F to the Raiders coaching staff. F. I think at some point this year, Hunter Renfro became too important to be returning punts. Okay. Like it, it check. I, well, maybe that's hard to do in season, but it just felt like there like it felt like Darren Waller was out, Hunter Renfro was catching 11 passes every week and he was still back there returning punts and it felt like he might be too important to return punts. Well, don't now. put Peyton Barber back there. He's going to go off his helmet or he's going <laughs> to down the ball and kick it out of the bu- kick it out of the uh, the field at the 2-yard line. All right. Next one to grade, Josh Jacobs. C minus. C minus. I thought he got better near the end the last 3 or 4 games, but I didn't think he did much beforehand so i'll give him a c minus it's it's a, a yeah c c minus it's c same category because it c goes back to the conversation minus. that the running game is more about the offensive line and more about uh the coaching or the scheme than it is about the actual running back and jacobs had some good games late but overall wasn't that effective but i don't think it was his fault for the most part i think it was mainly the offensive line's fault which brings us to colton miller a, he's the only one who can play. Hey. <laughs> he ended up fifth. Pro Football Focus rankings, the number five oh, tackle on a the plus. season. Yeah. A plus. So, very good season for Colton Miller, except for that one time that he stood and watched Trey Hendrickson beat Foster Moreau right. five feet away from him. Uh, Alex Leatherwood. F, your number one pick is a tackle in two games and you're a guard. <laughs> so, Fail. That, whoa, whoa, whoa. Four games, four games in. in. Four games in, you're a guard. So, no, he failed. Uh, Leatherwood gets an F, uh, F, but I also think Gruden and Mayock get the bigger F for Alex Leatherwood F. because when they drafted him, everybody said, why are you reaching for Alex Leatherwood? And he turned out to be a reach. Like, uh, so I don't, Leatherwood still could have been, probably should have been better because it's not like he was projected to go undrafted, but this is still on the Raiders front office and John Gruden for selecting a guy way too high. Has a first-round pick appeared to be a reach four games in very often? Because it just it definitely and changing like, positions. Yeah, like it definitely feels like this is the fastest it's ever gone. First-round pick, 
We got to switch him to something else. And then wasn't good at guard. Yeah, he wasn't good there. He was. If you go by pro football focus rankings, when he was the first four games, he was the lowest graded tackle at pro football focus had. He was the lowest graded rookie tackle pro football focus has ever graded. Raiders moved him to guard. I think he finished 80 of 82nd, uh, 82 for guards this year. Was not good. Um, Brian Edwards. F, I forgot he was on the team. F. <laughs> and that is a perfect summation. Marcus Mariota. Hey, you know why? Because I like the kid. He seems to try hard when he's out there, and it's not his fault they never put him in the game. All right. You know what you do when you just when that's your take? You give an F to the coaching staff for not using him. But I give him an A. Let's do some defensive players here. Max Crosby. A plus. He's a pro bowler. Had a great year statistically. And, uh, again, won the media award for best interview. Full disclosure, I voted for Renfro. Put Crosby second. Uh, but also a good interview, and he's a pro bowler. All right. Max Crosby probably deserves a higher grade than this, and I'm going to do something that I probably hate. I'm going to give him a B. B. And my criticism is he only had eight sacks, which the reason I hate that is because we are overly obsessed with sacks because obviously it's the main stat that defensive player pass rushers get. Crosby had a ridiculous number of pressures, right? He was top 10 in the NFL in pressures. Pro football focus has him in the top, I think, three still of edge rushers. But it's like eh, you would have liked to have seen that pay off with more sacks this year with how dominant he was. So I'm only giving him a B because if he gets that same amount of pressures next year, he better have like 13 sacks, not just eight. All right. Next defensive player, Yannick Ngakwe. I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him a C. C. He wasn't what I thought he would have been. And am I giving him a C more because of what Crosby was doing on the other side? Yes, you absolutely are. Because Max Crosby was so good, we didn't really notice how bad Yannick Ngakwe was. was. He did end up with 10 sacks, so it's not like he was awful. But the Raiders gave him a lot of money to be their number one edge rusher. And he was more of a number two. I mean, he was not really the dominant edge rusher. And you would think with how much Max, how good Max Crosby was and how much Max Crosby started to get double teamed at the end of the season, that Ngakwe would have had a much bigger impact. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't really happen. Like he got the sack totals. The sack total was fine, but the pressure numbers were not very high. And like we're projecting into the future. Crosby should have like 13 sacks based on this. And Ngakwe should have like six or seven. So... I think you absolutely are. Like, I think it's fair to give Ngakwe like a D or an F because he did not live up to what he was supposed to be when they signed him. But we didn't notice it because of how good Max Crosby was. It was like, yeah, they've got a good pass rush. Uh, Nate Hobbs. B. B. I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Asterisk. Asterisk. He was good as a mid-round pick. He was good. He was, I mean, it wasn't like a superstar or anything, but he was very good as a mid-round pick. And if you're the Raiders, whoever's coming in, as the next GM slash head coach, you've got a good piece there as a slot corner in Nate Hobbs. Um, at least, you know, if he's on the field. Jonathan Abram. See, I thought he did C. better when they brought him closer to the line for what he does. He can tackle people, but got hurt, went on IR, and still can't cover me. So I will say C. C. Gus Bradley gets an A for the usage a. of Jonathan Abram, basically understanding the limitations and putting him in a position to succeed. I feel like Abrams got to get an F though. Oh, because really? he was still like really the Kansas City game stand sticks out so much as like he got embarrassed. In that, that was game, everybody, right? And and the reason the Raiders couldn't play cover two is because Jonathan Abram can't cover can't down cover the anybody. field. And then he got hurt 
And that's been one of the biggest critiques of Jonathan Abram and how he plays. He just, he, he's a missile and that leads to not only him, but teammates and opponents getting hurt. And he's been hurt a lot in his career. And I think while it's, it's tough to really grade somebody because they got hurt. I think it's fair when it's Jonathan Abram and the way he plays like that's it's to me, it reminds me of like Derek Rose in the NBA. The guy was great at driving into the lane and throwing his body around and finishing and getting free throws. You can't do that for an entire career. And that's what Abram is as a safety. All right. A few random things to go back to meeting at the logo at Kansas city, BC, BC total buffoonery, but I thought it was cool. (laughs) Check. (laughs) Total buffoonery. I don't know what they're doing. And afterwards, Renfro, of course, had a, what was his quote? He said something like they, they knew we did it and, that meant they could get us, and they and they they absolutely got us. Like he almost like was ripping his teammates. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? And then they just beat us like fifty six to zero. <laughs> All right, making the playoffs. Oh, a a a plus plus. Mike Mayock said they're a playoff team. They made the playoffs. The I'm, job is done. The job is done. I'm giving it an incomplete. Incomplete <laughs> until we see who Mark Davis hires. Because I, I said it during the season, my main fear was that the Raiders would like make the playoffs and then Mark Davis would say, we got to keep Rich Versace and everybody intact because look at that, they made the playoffs. It appears as though he's not going to do that, which I think is the right thing to do. So I think Mark Davis, I think this is going to end up being an A. A. But for the time being, it's incomplete. Incomplete. And the last one to grade, Mark Davis. I'm going to give him a B. He didn't B. write. The, he didn't write the emails. Uh, he took he took care of uh, some issues in the uh, managerial department when it came to taxes or whatever the report was on that. And you know what? I assume with the help of Mike Mayock, he made the right decision in promoting Rich Bisacci because he had other former head coaches on that staff. I mean, Gus Bradley would have been the obvious one. Bradley right? and Marinelli. And Marinelli. They would have been obvious ones, but he chose Bisacci and it worked out. I gotta. It might have been Mayock swaying him that way. I don't know who it was. But ultimately, he's the owner, and he put Passaccia in charge. He gets an F. Of course. F. I, that, I could have called that over Solid. any grade you were going to get. F. He didn't fire John Gruden after reading ah. those emails. The worst. He let him coach a game. Failure. He read those emails and thought, you know what? I don't think what? he read all of them. The New York Times report didn't come out until <laughs> after the Bears game. He only read one of them. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. <sighs> The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Bischoff's briefs. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble. Today's Bischoff's briefs is a question. You can think about the answer to this while I ramble on. How many NFL coaches are more likely to win a Super Bowl than get fired in the next three seasons? 
So this is not simply, hey, is this guy getting fired or is this guy winning a Super Bowl? This is, are you more likely to actually win the whole thing in the next three years or get fired? And the premise of this question is basically that NFL coaches get fired pretty quickly. Uh, since 1990, the length of time an NFL coach gets before he's fired is 4.4 years. Uh, thanks to vikingsterritory.com who <laughs> did the math there on that. Obviously, you have some long-tenure coaches like Bill Belichick, who've been there a long time, but you also have guys that get fired after three years or like David Coley after one year. Um, so you look at the Raiders, for example, more likely than not, whoever they hire this time around is not going to be here for the fifth year. Um, and if you take all the current head coaches, how many of them would survive back-to-back years of disappointment? Because that's often all it takes. You have two years where you underperform and you might be out. So how many coaches are more likely to win the Super Bowl in the next three years than they are to get fired? I think there is one obvious answer. Andy Reid in Kansas Andy City. Reed. Yeah. Very likely to win the yeah. Super Bowl. I shouldn't say very likely, but has a high chance to win the Super Bowl in the next three years and maybe win more than one. And also, it seems pretty difficult for Andy Reid to get fired. They'd have to be really, really bad for a couple of years. I think McDermott in Buffalo is in a really good spot. Um, yes, they could you know, have a couple of eight and nine seasons back-to-back, and he could get fired, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, number one, he appears to have the quarterback. And number two, it's shaping up as though he's going to be a division winner for the next three years, which puts him in a good spot to win a Super Bowl because they'll likely be, you know, a one seed, a two seed, a three seed in the AFC playoffs for the next three years. After that, though, it gets pretty tough because you have, I put both Bruce Arians and Matt LaFleur in sort of the same category where they have a really good chance to win the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, but they only have their quarterbacks under contract for next season, right? So after that, like, and Aaron Rodgers obviously could be gone after this year. If Aaron Rodgers is gone after this year and the Packers win four games next year with Jordan Love and then turn around and win six or seven games, Matt LaFleur is fired. Right. Like, he's gone. Now, it's not likely, but it's certainly possible that that could happen. So I think Arians and LaFleur are kind of in that same category. And I think that's the end of the conversation. I don't think there's another coach in the NFL that is more likely to win the Super Bowl in the next three years than get fired. Bill Belichick. I think he's more likely to get fired than win the Super Bowl in the next three years. He is not winning a Super Bowl in three years. You think the Patriots are going to win a Super Bowl in the next three years? I think it's more likely that they win a Super Bowl than they get rid of the guy that won six. I think there's a chance they could miss the playoffs two years, three years in a row, and he's gone. I think that's much more likely than they win the Super Bowl. They don't have a quarterback, and that's the key to this conversation. You got to have the quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback, you're more likely to get fired than win the Super Bowl. Gone in the sense that he leaves or they fire him? Fired is the word here because Andy Reid could retire after this year for all we know. That could happen, but I'm saying fired. Listen, I don't think Belichick's getting fired either, but I think it is more likely they missed the playoffs three years in a row and Robert Kraft says we're firing Bill Belichick than it is he wins the Super Bowl. I don't think he's winning the division in the next three years. They fire Bill Belichick. Jets or Dolphins, which one offers him a uh, the 
25 the, the lifetime yeah, the lifetime whatever his lifetime span t- uh, seems to be didn't parcells basically not win after like 1992 yeah. but he just kept yes. getting jobs yeah i know one team he coached and didn't win with if the patriots oh hold on that was a botch snap <laughs> if the patriots win 7 to 8 games the next 3 years and miss the playoffs all 3 years and belichick gets fired do people still want him I would think someone wants Bill Belichick. If we if we have four, how, I mean, how old is he? At, at that, that point, point, we'd have five years of post Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and he will have had one playoff appearance in this hypothetical scenario. Do you want Six that? Rings? I still want him. Yeah, I still want him. Just to, like hell, just be the special teams coordinator. I'll hire two other coordinators. You don't even have to talk to the media. But. On this, there's a there's a few other interesting coaches, right? I think Jim or not Jim, John Harbaugh is an interesting one because it's I don't see John Harbaugh getting fired by the Ravens anytime soon, and they have Lamar Jackson, but I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. I don't think that's a Super Bowl winning team in Baltimore. I don't think Pittsburgh is either. What about Tomlin? I think I mean Tomlin. The Tomlin's interesting because about the last, his hot seat this year. Last several years, whether it's him wanting to make a move or them moving on him. And Pittsburgh fans love this guy. They are devoted and loyal to this guy. Uh, the ones I know. Jared's giving me the look. Okay. The, the, Pitts, the Steeler fans I know. The Steeler okay, fans, the I Steeler know fans on Twitter have wanted okay. him fired every year. So I, The because... Steeler fans I know love him. Um, and I don't think Pittsburgh's winning the Super Bowl next year. So, yeah, I guess he'd be. I guess he's the one who would, he's one of those who would be fired. The point here is that it's very hard to win the Super Bowl. Right. That like right now, what the Packers have the best chance to win the Super Bowl. And it's probably like 25%. Right. Like it's, it's hard to win the Super Bowl. So any of these teams that aren't like the Packers right now at 25%, you have a less than 10% chance to win the Super Bowl. Most of these teams, you have a less than 5% chance to win the Super Bowl in the next three years. Sean McVay. McVay is an interesting one because Kingsbury, because yeah. he's regarded as good. Cliff Kingsbury's getting fired in like two years. Come on now. Cliff Kingsbury uh, that, was going to get fired after no. this year if they hadn't started. Hold on, hold nine on, and or whatever it was. Kingsbury, he he's never failed down. So if anything, he's going to become like a GM. Yeah, yeah, he'll get. Yeah, he'll move up. He'll move up. It'll be I fine. mean, he lost. He lost at Texas Tech and got an NFL job. And then he'll be the commissioner of the league after yes, he fails as a GM. That's right. But like McVay's an interesting one. But what are the odds the Rams win the Super Bowl in the next three years? It's like ten percent. I think it's more likely that they missed the playoffs two years in a row and they say we're done with McVay because that's that's the point here. It's hard to win the Super Bowl. And if you have two underperforming seasons, you usually get fired. Yeah. So I think it's most I think there's four names and two of them are a maybe with Arians in the floor because their quarterback situation is short term. But I think there's only four names that you can say are more likely to win the Super Bowl than get fired in the next three years because it's hard to win the Super Bowl. Might be only one. And. You've got to have the quarterback. So if you're a coach potentially taking the Raiders job, do you think you have the quarterback? No, I don't think. So I have you're the more likely to be fired in three right, years than right, the head coach right. of the Ra- or win the Super Bowl, I should say, I, if you take this job. Which, unless you get Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> if you bring him with you, then you have the quarterback. I don't have a quarterback. I kind of don't have an offensive line. I have a really good slot receiver. <laughs> Uh, the I have, kicker and punter is settled for four years. Jared. Okay, special teams were good, except for we don't have a kick returner. Um, That's irrelevant. Just let it bounce out of the back we, of the end zone. Uh, we have a defensive line. Pretty much, no one knows if we have a linebacking core from week to week based on injuries. 
and the defensive backs, as long as we, they don't have any guns uh, or um, they can control their liquor, yeah, I guess it's a good job. Wow. Coming up next, J.R. Starkus joins the show. They made the playoffs. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Key account executive, Southern Glaze Wine Spirits, Nevada, our extreme mixologist. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. He's here every Thursday at 930. Have you played Wardle yet? Oh, boy. Wordle? Yeah. He doesn't even know what it is. Yeah, it evolves from Squirtle. (laughs) It's a new word game everyone's playing. You get letters, and you have to guess letters. You have to get, you guess word. You only get, like, six chances, and then then if you don't guess the word, you've lost. It's one word a day for the entire world that's doing it. It's only one word, and you have to figure out the word. Are you good at crossword puzzles? Um, No. I'm I'm awful with crossword puzzles. this this sounds like um, like the, the live version of uh, like what is it Wheel of Fortune or something like that where you have to like just guess letters. Is yes. that what it is? I, yes, that's pretty close. Similar. Are aren't you on Twitter? I am. Don't you see people posting their Wordle scores every day? The little boxes with ne- the green I, and the yellow. I, I've never seen a single Wordle. I have no idea what you're talking about. You haven't seen anyone <laughs> post just a box, and no. within the box there are green, there are squares that are green, and then a couple yellow squares. Wow, no, I haven't seen. I haven't seen a single one. It's amazing. Who are you following on? How many people do you follow on Twitter? Because well, I don't I follow. All th- I follow all three of you, and uh, I haven't seen a single thing from you guys. Well, I don't play Wordle. Ed does. Okay. I don't play it, but I'm fully aware of what it is just because people tweet about well, it. Well, and I'm also I'm also uh, so bad at I refuse to share my uh, <laughs> my hideous uh, attempts at figuring out the word is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't panic. When you're the when you're the 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 sports writer of the year, all right, horrible all right. at Wordle. Calm down. Wait, did you figure out today's word, Ed? Spoiler alert! If you have, no, because I did one thing and then I got, went to the show. I haven't gone back to it. Okay, so you haven't tried it. What was my guess? Tread, right? Did you say there's a D and an R and a T? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, tread. That's your guess. I mean, based on the limited information I have, I'm going with tread. Okay. Right. So I'll tell you later. I'll, I'll go tread. back later and try to do it. <laughs> What's you, going on, Jr.? Do you find out the answer? Do you find out the answer every day? Like, well, just be like, all right, here. here no, here, here. if you if you don't do it in the six tries, you're, you know what? I mean, eventually uh, you can just ask someone because so many people are playing the thing and say, "What's the word of the day?" Um, I told a story being at the Bengals Raiders game where the word was panic, and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. It was driving me nuts. And Case Keever of the Sun kept giving me clues by saying, "Ed, don't panic." Stop panicking. Oh don't panic. And I'm like, Case, I'm not panicking. I'm just frustrated. He goes, no, please don't panic. And uh, finally I said, oh, it's panic. <laughs> he just like hands you the word. and you're Yes, just, like, and I, just, I couldn't even get it then. Ah, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right, JR. What are you making us today? You know, so I, I, I often look for, uh, you know, fun things to talk about with you guys that, you know, that I think that listeners would be interested in. And it occurred to me after um, my last week uh, that, you know, I'm jaded because I see it all the time, but there are an enormous, an enormous amount of celebrity-owned brands, whether they be tequilas, which seems to be the run right now, whiskeys, bourbons of some sort, vodkas, whatever, cognacs, even champagnes, right? Whatever 
it is, there are a tremendous amount. And um, sometimes it is, of course, buyer beware because um, it can be in certain instances that the celebrity of choice is involved for monetary purposes only. Um, but then there are some brands as well that they're, the celebrity that's involved is, is not only uh, uh, deeply rooted with the brand, um, or, but they, have a, they want the brand to do well. It's not just about money. They're willing to work the brand. They're willing to put their face out there for the brand um, and, and their quality, right? There are a lot of brands that come across my desk that are celebrity-owned that um, they're, they're just frankly, they just, they just don't do it, man. They're, they're, you can tell they're just feeble attempts to make something and make money. Um, but then there are a lot of great ones as well. But as you walk through the liquor store, and you're confused at you, – you may not even know. Like, you just see all these new brands available, and you have no idea, right? You, how do I spend my hard-earned dollars on a product that I've never seen or heard or tasted before? Um, and, and do I trust this celebrity attachment to it? Um, I am fortunate enough that I get to taste a lot of these, and so I decided that um, I will start going through and tasting these and then kind of relaying the information to the listeners – so that when they're walking through the liquor store, um, I can help to demystify the liquor aisle to them, right? That was kind of my, one of my goals from, from the onset of starting with you guys. Um, I've recently come across a lot of tequilas. Tequilas is the, probably the most trending celebrity thing right now. Um, if you think of, you know, Cali Rosa with Adam Levine, Fletcher Azul with Mark Wahlberg, you have The Rock has Terramana tequila. Um, you have, you know, Casamigos tequila with George Clooney and Randy Gerber, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I came across one this last week um, that's owned by Eva Longoria. It's called Casa del Sol. And um, I, I tasted it for the first time this week, and it's fantastic tequila. Um, and the reason I wanted to showcase another tequila for the show today is because, you know, it's not easy to get your favorite tequila probably these days. Um, and there's no, it's no, um, it's no surprise that prices are on the rise as well. So everything is more expensive than it was a few years ago. Um, but it's not as easy to find your favorite, you know, Patron or Don Julio or Don Julio 1942. Even Casamigos can be difficult to find at times. Um, so it's my idea to sh kind of shed light on some of these newer brands that are worthy of your dollar um, that won't cost you an arm and a leg, but they're going to taste delicious if you bring them home. Casa del Sol offers three different or skews, basically a Blanco, a Reposado, and a Añejo. The Reposado and Añejo are finished in French oak barrels, um, and so it adds just another layer of beauty to the final product. Um, I tasted them myself this, this week, and um, I really took a liking to all three, but my favorite is the Blanco, and so I decided to make a drink with it for today's show. Um, I wanted to do a drink, and I called it Soul Searching, Soul spelled S-O-L, as in Casa del Sol. Um, and it's a really easy five-ingredient drink. So an ounce and a half of Casa del Sol in a mixing tin. Added to that is an ounce and a half of fresh grapefruit juice, one ounce of fresh lime juice, um, one ounce of, uh, of a spicy honey. So if you've, ever, if you've ever seen in the store like Mike's Hot Honey, I took that and I, I equal, did equal parts that in hot water to give me one ounce of a spicy honey syrup. I spoke about this before. If you just try to put honey into the drink with ice, it's not going to assimilate into the cocktail. It's just going to clump up. It won't give you the sweetness you're looking for, so you have to make it into a syrup. And then I used 
three quarter ounces of a Bianco vermouth. Um, any Bianco vermouth will be quite nice. Um, the one that I use is called Dos Dus. Um, it's out of Spain, and you can find it in liquor stores uh, as well. But if you can't if you can't find that one, find a vermouth that's a Bianco. It's clear like a dry vermouth, um, but there's a lot more citrus notes to it than uh, a, a dry vermouth would be. It's quite quite a beautiful thing. Um, those five ingredients that add to the mixing tin with ice, shake it, uh, strain it over fresh ice, garnish it with a grapefruit and a grapefruit peel, and it is like a unbelievably beautiful beverage that showcases and highlights the notes that you'll find in Casa del Sol Blanco. Um, and and it's, it's not expensive to make this drink, and it's all ingredients that you'll have in the house that, you know, aren't going to go bad on you. Uh, simple technique to make a wonderful cocktail that's a little bit different with a new brand that you should definitely take a look at when you're walking through the liquor store. Most, most celebrities, or not most, I should say, but a lot of celebrities go wine, don't they? Mm, n- n- not, not really. I mean, uh, not to me. I mean, I feel like every week there's a new spirit celebrity coming out. There are certainly, you know, your fair share of, of wine brands out there, like John Bon Jovi with um, Diving into Hampton Water Rosé. Um, but a lot, of these, a lot of celebrities don't own the brand. They're just the spokesperson for the brand, okay. the brand okay. ambassador, if you will. Um, and, you know, and that's how they're getting paid. And that's because you know, they want to be, uh, they're going to put it on themselves in front of it. So they're associated with the brand. The Rock, for instance, he owns his tequila, right? Um, Eva Longoria is part of this brand. Like she's not just the face and advertising it. She's invested in this. She's part of the brand. She is, um, she, she speaks about the brand. She works the brand. Um, she's behind it and she'll get behind the bar and shake drinks with you with the brand. Like, um, you know, that's, that's an important thing. Um, Ryan Reynolds, aviation gin, same thing. He's, you know, definitely invested in the brand, social media, all these things. They're not just face faces to the brand or a brand ambassador. You'll find that, in my opinion, I think you see that a lot more in the um, in the wine world. Um, but in the spirits world, there are a lot of people that are really um, they, they have money in the brand. They, they're they're investors. They want to work the brand and they want to see it do well because um, because they believe in it. Um, but with that said, not all of them are great. And it's my plan over the next you know few months <laughs> to kind of start showcasing some of the ones that are uh, great. Or um, or how you can use it, right? Because it doesn't have to be expensive to be good, right? You have, uh, you know, Dana White has Howler Head uh, Banana Whiskey. I love it because it makes a great cocktail addition, and I'm sure I'll use that at some point. There's a lot of great brands out there that have application. It may not be the geeky bartender's favorite thing, but the home bartender, the person who's listening to the show, uh, can absolutely, will absolutely buy these things. They should buy them. And you don't have to drink it straight as you would maybe with the Casa del Sol, but you can make it a great cocktail as well. And so I kind of want to, you know, kind of merge the two, uh, the geeky mixologist meets the general home consumer and kind of combine them because you can do something with a lot of these brands that make sense. Um, and it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing to be good. All right. I, there's a part of me that knows that you probably will never do this, but what I'm going to need is I'm going to need you to run us through all of the brands owned by the celebrities that are just hot garbage. <laughs> like, just go, <laughs> don't ever buy this. This guy's a, this, this actor is a moron. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, I like my job. And that's that all right. probably not be the best thing for my job. I'll just say this. Maybe you just won't hear me talk about it if, if it's not. 
Um, but uh, there, there are a lot of them, so you got to give me time because there are a lot of good ones. There are a lot of good ones, and, um, and, and I'll get to them. But, um, you know, this one to me was nice because it, it, a lot, especially with tequila, right, there's a trend to the tequilas. The trend right now is to have them be, to my palate, a bit sweet, overly sweet. Um, this one is not. This one is more a traditional make. You can have a lot of different additives when you make tequila, um, and this one does not. So it has a more traditional style to it, which I really enjoy because that's the type of tequila that I like. Check out at JR Makes Drinks on Instagram. He'll have that drink up there for you later today. Again, follow him on JR Starkus on Twitter, our extreme mixologist. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Talk to you next week. My favorite part about celebrity alcohol, I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah. No, I genuinely... <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That you don't know Evie Longoria. I know I yeah, do. She, yeah. she was married to Tony Parker. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why. <laughs> Wait, we're you not know nothing she's been The guy in. who played for the Rays. Yeah. <laughs> he does not have... He still plays, doesn't he? Or did he retire? Uh, for some reason, I thought he got traded to... He was with the Giants. Okay. But I don't think he's retired. I don't know if he's still I think he's retired. I think he's done now. But like, yeah, I know who The Rock is. I got that one. Right. I don't know what alcohol he has, but I know who The Rock is. Ryan Reynolds. I know the name and I think I know what he looks like, okay. but I'm not 100% sure All right. on Ryan Reynolds. I couldn't tell you for 100%, but I think I know who he is. If we gave you five pictures, you could pick him out. I think so, yes. Okay. I could do a police lineup. I think yes, I could get Ryan, out Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Unless they all look the same. Wait, Ryan no, no, yeah, wait. We need to, we need to go. We need to, yeah, we need to go like Aaron Eckhart and uh, Ryan, Ryan Gosling. And Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. For sure. Then uh, it'd be a little Chris tougher. Chris Hemsworth and, yeah, yeah. just. It'll be a little tougher. I'll be confused. Definitely. <laughs> All right. We've got tickets to go see uh, Slipknot. They are coming to Las Vegas, and we've got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. Two tickets to Not Fest Roadshow with Slipknot and special guest Cypress Hill Friday, June 17th at MGM Grand Garden. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, but we've got a pair for you right now. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number seven to go see Slipknot. Steve Cofield to the side of the lane, back to Levert. He just hit a three, and now another one from the other side of the floor. Outside the arc to the right edge. Craig back to the top. Levert for three. He has had a splendid fourth quarter. On top, Levert, hard drive to the foul line, two more. Karis Levert has been nothing short of remarkable here in the fourth quarter. He has scored 22 of his 30 points in the fourth quarter. You're locked in the press box. That was Karis Levert ruining the Pacers' draft status by <laughs> winning a game in Los Angeles by scoring 22 in the fourth what, quarter. Wasn't he, whenever there was like trade negotiations last year, wasn't Karis Levert the one that they were like, hey, he's untouchable? No, they traded for him oh, last year. Oh, that's what it was. That's and they found um, a mass, a tumor, when they that's in what the it physical. Was. And okay. so he they traded for him, and then he didn't didn't play for months it was but yeah the the Pacers might trade everyone on their roster like they've got Sabonis Miles Turner Karis Levert and Malcolm Brogdon that would all be useful pieces for teams that are trying to win a playoff series so they might trade Karis Levert we saw a rumor on Twitter a little while ago which made no sense from the Cavs point of view uh Kevin Love or Colin Sexton um others involved for Russell Westbrook which I don't have I, the Cavs have better players at his spot. Right. 
And so why would they want to do that? I mean, you know, like everyone has better you players ship, in the spot. <laughs> you want to ship Kevin Love back to L.A., then ship Kevin Love back to L.A. But Russell Westbrook? I think uh, Frank Vogel decided Malik Monk was better than I mean, Russell yes. Westbrook last night. Yeah. How how annoying is it that it's like we got rid of the balls and we need one of them back? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what former Lakers, right? Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma. How many would you legitimately rather have? Oh, than yeah. Russell Westbrook well, on Brandon the team. Ingram. Yeah. Like there's a lot of former Lakers that you would absolutely I mean He's not a former Laker, but I'd like Lamelo. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Alex Caruso too. Doesn't play oh, like that's a tough one. Like Caruso's not like great by any no. means. Uh, the Bulls are pretty good though. But like Bulls are good. I I don't I think Westbrook's useless. I think he's gonna hurt you more than he helps you. So that's what I would do. Which by the way, I'm looking at some stats here from uh who was tweeting that out? Synergy Sports. LeBron is the most efficient center in the NBA right now. Well, of course he is. Because <laughs> he's been playing center. And this goes, we talked about this like three or four weeks ago. LeBron's playing great. Yeah. And the Lakers yeah. suck. And the Lakers stink. <laughs> like, <laughs> this isn't, ah, uh, LeBron being older and he's not no. as good as he LeBron is he's, great. Seems as good as ever. And they can't stop Karis Levert. It's brutal. He's going to break Kareem's record. That will absolutely be cool when I see when I saw it. I saw. Did you see the cream skyhook in Vegas? No. Was it in Vegas or Utah? I thought they played Utah in Vegas. They uh, played here. They did play here. I thought I don't that know which was. Games you, were, can, but... you can tweet us. Um, I thought that's when he broke it. I thought I th- I'm almost certain. But I it'll be cool to watch LeBron break it. Did you really see cool. Nikola Jokic's pass for the game-winning shot for the Nuggets last night? No. Oh, my God. They were tied. Final seconds. Nikola Jokic has the ball on the wing, and he's like three or four feet beyond the three-point line. They threw a double team. The Clippers threw a double team at Jokic. He threw the ball to the opposite corner. Perfect pass. Guy drills a three. Double teamed on the wing and found the guy in the opposite, in the opposite corner. corner. Like it is somebody posted the screenshot of like right before he passed it. It is one of the most the unbelievable guy covered in the corner? passes. No, that was where that was the one they guy. Double teamed him off the ball. Okay. Because they were like, oh, that guy's 45 feet away. Right. Nobody's making that pass. It's one of the most like the screenshot before makes it look like one of the most incredible passes you've ever seen. The guy's open, but you're like, nobody can throw it to that right. guy. He's got to throw he it did. across the entire court. And Jokic did.